Hello, friends, countrymen, comrades. Well, comrades only if you're Trump. Hi, guys. Welcome to uh, What's for Dinner. Uh, sorry, it has been... Uh, my, my, the, uh, these episodes are getting uh, uploaded few and far between now. And um, it's because I've uh, just been running around like a chicken with his head fucking cut off. Um, so I really haven't had time to sit down with very many people. Um, this past... Uh, about two weeks, I was actually on the Norwegian getaway, once again doing a transatlantic trip, which means it was all across the ocean with no stopping for 12 days. So needless to say, I'm still got the sea legs. I'm literally rocking back and forth because it still feels like I'm on a ship. But I am home now in L.A. But whilst on the ship, I got to sit down with another dueling piano player. Last time I had my buddy Brandon Kent. Well, this time I had my buddy Ben Michaels. Uh, ben is um, one of the... Uh, I don't want to say older duelers, because it's not about age, but about longevity. He's been in the business a very, very long time, still rocking, still rolling. <clears throat> so we um, we talked about his career, how he started. He's a Florida guy like myself. He's actually, and I think I talk about this, um, I've known him for over 20 years because he was one of these guys I met while I was first starting comedy in Miami, working at the Improv. He was working at the Howl down there. I would always go to Howl at the Moon after my shows, hang out there with those guys, and Ben was one of those guys. So it's a real treat to now be working with him on the ships. So again, we talk about um, his early career, how he got into dueling, uh, how he, uh, the, 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 the studying he did, and all these little stories that led to uh, one adventure after another. And it was actually a really good conversation. It turned out to be a two-parter. So uh, the second part of this uh, fun little chat will be coming up on the next episode. Um, but hey, guys, if uh, you want to see me around town, because I am not on a ship again as of now until October. So this summer will be a lot of... California stuff and uh, a lot of tightening of the belts. But um, this Friday, I'll tell you what, there's a special thing that uh, Skippy Green is doing, but more details of that as, uh, as well, as I'm allowed to say. But a very exciting thing happening with Skippy. Um, next week, I'll be, uh, that would be on June 22nd. I'll be at Sal's Comedy Hall on Monday, June 22nd. And um, I'm sorry, May 22nd. I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at. But the following week, June 2nd through 3rd, I'll be at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club, headlining there in uh, Ventura Harbor, California. And um, June 16th and 17th, I'm very excited. I'm headlining at Flappers in Burbank in the main room. This is a very big deal, something I've been pushing for for a while. So any of my California friends in the Valley would love to see you out there for that show. It's going to be exciting. And hey, the lovely Allison Weber will be with me, uh, so making the show even better. All right, I've been rambling way too long. So, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy episode 203 of What's for Dinner with Ben Michaels, part one. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. All right, there we go. Are we in? Well, yeah, we're in like Flynn, man. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. So we're talking about Russian hookers. So I'm about Russian hookers, yes, yes. Good way to start the conversation. Isn't that a great way to start the conversation? That's a great way so to start Russian the conversation. So Russian hookers. Russian hookers. Russian, Russian hookers and dueling pianos. I can't think of a better uh, combo. Absolutely. No, because when you think... Uh, you, you, when you think when you think dueling pianos, I think of Tatsya, you, the Russian hooker. When you think Billy Joel, you think Russian hookers. Yeah. Right, right. Well, Billy Joel did had a great... Uh, 
tour of Russia. He did. He did. He, he uh, did that whole concert there, or whatever that whole concert. He did that, that, that uh, live the, uh, that uh, live album there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think I've only heard one song for for some reason. I didn't I just kind of that album Kevin. flew under my radar for ah, some reason. It's a good. So. It's a good uh, album. That's what they tell me. Yeah, there's yeah. a great documentary too. Like I think it was called "The Bridge to Russia" or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, because I think "The Bridge" was that album that was uh, he was touring. Yeah, yeah, at the time. right. Were, right, were so. you like a Billy Joel fan before you got into dueling? Huge. Really? Huge. Did you ever see him live? Uh, twice. And that's it. That's it. And that's not unusual for me. Um, I'm not a concert goer. Really? Yeah, which is, yeah, something that um, a lot of people are sh- really surprised by, a lot of people are shocked by. I am. Um, just because of what I do for a living, obviously. So, yeah, uh, there was this thing going on Facebook a couple, of, a couple of days ago, or maybe last week, I don't know if you saw it, people were writing, uh, here's ten concerts, um, nine that I've been to, one that I haven't. Right, and it was like a little. I don't. I suppose it was a meme, or it was a thing. I don't know the Just correct, the right, the right vernacular, or whatever. It was a little right. game people were playing on Facebook. So right. seemed to have gone somewhat viral on Facebook, anyhow. Um, and uh, I felt so like embarrassed because I I was trying to think of ten concerts that I've been or nine concerts that I've been to in my life that I've seen, you know, nine acts that I've seen live. And for a minute there, I was thinking, could I include Don Rickles? <laughs> could I include Don Rickles? Because I did see Don. I was very, very lucky. I'm very blessed uh, to have seen Don Rickles in concert. Uh, I would the, say that counts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was. They were talking acts, music. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Acts, like, because yeah. con- they say like comedy in concert, but right. I, when I, you're right. When I think of concert, I think of a, exactly, music. and that's what people were mentioning. Everybody's saying, oh. It's a, McCartney and Stones and The Who and this and that, whatever. I ain't seen any of those. <laughs> I haven't seen anybody. So, so you're just not into seeing live music? You know, you know what happened was, I mean, that's, that's no, I am. Okay, I am. Um, I grew up uh, with older parents. My parents had me late. And so uh, my, my dad was 48, 49 when they, when they had me. And oh, my wow. mom was like 40. So, you know, they were from a different generation. Um, nothing to do with not going to concerts. They, I'm sure they would have gone to concerts uh, in, their, in their time. But I think what they saw, I also had um, friends when I was in junior high and high school, uh, a couple of guys in particular that used to wear concert T-shirts to school mm-hmm. or they would wear concert t-shirts i mean concert t-shirts were a big thing obviously okay i mean i, I think people still wear them obviously, yeah, yeah. you know of it's, course. Like, it's like it's like a walking brag it's a walking brag. you're wearing a pink floyd t-shirt there you go this isn't concert this that, is just a that's a floyd pink shirt. shirt exactly yeah. right i'm wearing a canada t-shirt which has nothing to do with that but no nah. uh no so um <laughs> unless i had gone to a concert in canada rush concert, yeah. exactly so um yeah but like rush t-shirts and all this and I remember my folks saying something to me along the lines of, that looked sloppy. It looked sloppy, and it conjured up in their minds also a, uh, a vision of drugs and sloppy 
and everything and them being older and of a different generation. It's like, frankly, I, gr- I almost grew up with my grandparents. Mm. Okay, and a lot of people would think that my father was my grandfather. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a little boy. Uh, and then especially as he got older and he got sicker and so forth or whatever, so people would think that. Um, but, uh, you know, so I guess they just... So that just kind of planted something that's, in your head. Then. Well, well, well. it also, I mean, I w- it wasn't that I was explicitly forbidden from going to concerts necessarily, but I just, I, I knew that they frowned on it, and I suppose I just never asked. You know, I never really pushed for it so much. So even so, when you went, when you left home and you went to and then, college or whatever, you even still... then when I went, when I left home and when I went to college, it just sort of became Something a thing in where head. in my head where it's like, well, it's not that big a deal per se. I just never thought it was that big a deal. Oh. I don't know why. I just don't. I, I I don't know what it is. So it's most a, kids rebel by like drinking or doing drugs. You might rebel by going to see like Captain and Tennille. Funny you should mention that, okay? Because one of my one of the concerts that I mentioned that I did put on the uh, the Facebook game or whatever yeah. was Peter Allen. Peter Allen. Peter Allen. Exactly. He, oh, exactly. Yeah. He was uh, the the gay guy married to uh, Martha Liza Minnelli. L- Liza married Minnelli. to Liza Minnelli. Um, he was the guy that they did a Broadway play about. Um, uh, yeah, called the Boy from the Oz. The Boy from Oz. The yeah, Boy yeah, from yeah. Oz. That was Hugh Jackman, where Hugh Jackman got uh, he sort of got his big break, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he got his big that. break from Wolverine. Huh? Well, he did. He did, but he he. I, but that, he made his Broadway. Certainly, but he made his Broadway. Day, he made his Broadway. He got his. He got his name recognition first. Okay, so Pete, on Broadway. But Peter Allen was the. Uh, Peter Allen was the boy. So Peter everybody's Allen doing was. this list of concerts like McCartney, and McCartney, John, and you're like Peter and Allen, Peter Allen, Peter Allen, Oingo Boingo. Oh, that's pretty cool. I saw Oingo Boingo. I you, saw with, with Danny Elfman still fronting. With him? Danny Elfman still fronting them, oh, it was Oingo badass. Oingo Boingo and the Fix. The okay, Fix. The yeah, fix. I remember the Fix. Right. Okay, and they were the act. I forget who opened for who. Uh, it might have been Oingo Boingo opening for the fix. I I, I don't really recall. Um, that was at Gator Growl oh. at the University of Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was at Gator Growl for the uh, the the very brief period of time that I attended college. Uh, attended the University of Florida. Were so. you studying music up there? I was studying how to roll a joint with one hand. <laughs> That's what I was studying. Some music, yeah. Some music involved in the background. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm but sure. I, yeah. I mastered the jo- mastered the art of rolling a joint with one hand. That's a pretty. Yes. Uh, that's a, yeah. That's and making bongs out of apples. Yeah, making bong out of an apple, or make a pipe. I should I should say out of an apple or any other hard vegetable or fruit. So again, make, no yeah. concerts. No but, concerts. But every point of paraphernalia from the concert you uh you had I mastered. mastered all that i even wore concert t-shirts I, i'm sh- i'm sure at some fucking point poser fucking pie now you I know. Poser, Tell, a poser i am as far as that go i know so, so what it's so, okay so um, but billy joel you had mentioned billy joel yes. i was a billy joel i was a huge billy joel fan same uh, here from the time i was 10 11 something like that yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe maybe a little bit older maybe 12 or 12 or 13 Do you know what's great so. I recently found this on YouTube, and I, I have it. Um, it's a Billy Joel concert from, uh, or not so much a concert, a television appearance from mm-hmm. 1978. Okay. From a show in England called, like, The Old Whistle Show or something like yeah. that. 
and it's young, young Billy Joel right. doing these early, early hits uh-huh. like "Root Beer Rag," sure, and uh, uh, um, uh, "She's Got Away," and yeah. all these old school stuff. And it yeah. just it was a because re- it was a very stripped down kind of Billy Joel concert as opposed to what he does now. Right, right. So it just uh, if you YouTube, you could see some really cool. You got to co- turn me on to that. So oh, I, I, yeah. I will do that. My so mm. is Billy Joel, what got you interested in piano? No. Where did no. that come from? My father got me interested in piano. Really? Yeah. So uh, I always say my father and then Billy Joel, right? So uh, uh-huh. if you want to go chronologically, okay, my father, Elton John, mm-hmm. and then Billy Joel. Yeah. So yeah, one and the same. Yeah, one one and the same, right? Yeah. So, so so how did that happen? So my dad was a um, was a violin player. Oh. Wow. He was a concert violinist uh, as a child. He was a child prodigy. And uh, had grown up in Brooklyn, uh, went to a conservatory for music in Brooklyn, which uh, he they performed concerts all around New York City. He played at Carnegie Hall. Oh, uh, he did this, he did that, whatever, through the conservatory. Um, he studied until he was 13. He was born in 1916. Wow. So, yeah, uh, next month, well, no, the end of this month, it's May already, the end of the, this month, my father would have been 101 this year. So, yeah. Amazing. It's, uh, it just blows me away. Yeah. So, um, but in any event, he studied till he was 13, uh, 1929, and then this little thing happened in America called the stock market crash <laughs> uh, and the Great Depression. And so, you know, uh, I think the owner of the conservatory killed himself or something like that. I don't know if he did, but they went bankrupt regardless. Um, And so that was the end of lessons. Uh, That was the end of uh, his his formal training in violin. He continued on as a musician uh, throughout, you know, high school. And then afterwards, he didn't go to college. Um, But uh, he... You know, continued on playing. He taught himself how to play sax. Sax, wow. I think. I want to say sax was his second instrument. He was a tenor sax That's player. That's impressive. Yeah, taught himself sax. Taught himself he could play any instrument. He could play anything. Um, he had perfect pitch, and uh, which I don't know if you know. Do you know what perfect pitch is? I know or of perfect pitch. Perfect pitch is the ability to uh, pick out a note uh, or... Um, a tone, okay, without having, or somebody just to be able to have, or, or well, with if somebody plays a note for you, you can tell what note that is on a scale, okay, with you know. So just so, you, yeah, you, just the, the ear, you have a just great by ear. hearing it, yeah. just by hearing it, you could say, okay, somebody sings a note for you. What note is that? You know what note it is, right? Like that. That's perfect pitch. Okay. Um, there's di- there's different levels of it. There's something called relative pitch. There's uh, absolute perfect pitch. There's whatever. But basically, it's it's the ability to recreate a note. Uh, somebody says to you, "Sing a B flat now. Sing a concert B flat." Um, somebody or or whatever. Or if somebody says, "Well, what note is that?" or "What chord is that?" and so forth, you're able to do all that. So, gotcha. So my dad was able to do that. Um, uh, and it's a uh, uh, it's a genetic thing, also. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But um, but he was able to do that. So he taught himself taught himself sax, could play any instrument. Played through the '30s and '40s. He had a um, uh, a big band actually that played on WNYC in New York on Sunday afternoons. He had a combo. I don't know if it was an eight piece band or something. Uh, and uh, so when I was born. 
he played piano for me and played violin, obviously still was playing, not, a, not anywhere near as much as he did when he was a younger man, but uh, would play violin for the family uh, and, uh, and for, you know, for having people over and whenever company was over, he'd pull the violin out and stuff like that. But piano, he played on a more regular basis. He wasn't, re when, I, when I look back at it, and he knew this, and he would admit it also, and he would tell me. I mean, he wasn't a great piano player. Um, he could only play in the key of G major. He could only play in the key of G major for you musicians out there. So whatever. He <laughs> what would, does that mean? That means that he would, he could only play in one key. So everything, whatever, any, any song that he knew, he, he knew in the key of G. Or if he you heard can't play some, a song in a different key, you can't just move down the the keys on the keyboard. You could if you're a piano player, but my dad wasn't a piano player. Okay, so everything that he heard, okay, he would just automatically sort of move it to the key of G. That was like his comfort zone. Okay. Okay. For lack of a better term, all right. That was like his comfort zone. So everything started off with a big D augmented arpeggio. Okay, an arpeggio is when you run up this, run up like an intro. Mm -hmm. Okay, we had a piano here I'd show you. So, but um, in any event, uh, so that was my that was my dad, uh, and that was my first exposure to piano. Uh, was him playing, and uh, he was my first inspiration. So to say that Billy Joel was my inspiration is you know, it's, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's yeah. not. It's not. Not. Not a complete fib. But uh, then when you saw Billy yeah. Joel. You saw him perform, yeah. and you say, like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, well, even before that. Even before oh, that. So I, I, knew, I knew I wanted to perform even before that. Yeah, I saw him I saw him in 1978, um, and it was the, uh, I want to say the 52nd Street Tour. Okay. Okay, because I can remember that he had, I remember him doing Zanzibar. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I remember him doing um, uh, my life, obviously, all the, the big hits from that album, right. Big Shot, everything that came from yeah, that yeah, album. Yeah. Okay, I can remember all that. was a great album. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and he used to open every concert. I don't know if he still does anymore. Um, in fact, I, I I saw him like 20 years later, or 20, wait, way more than that, 25 years later. I mean, I don't know, I saw him sometime in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, uh, he used to open every concert with a song. It was an instrumental off of the second album, uh, technically the third album, but the second album was called Street Life Serenade. Street Life Serenade. Right, so he would open up with Mexican Connection. That would be his intro music. Okay. Okay, and yeah, that, yeah. Was in, that was an instrumental. There were two instrumentals on Street Life Serenade. There was uh, Mexican Connection and Root Beer Rag. Mm -hmm. both, both came off of that album. And uh, and he would open up. That would be like his intro music, you know, to start a concert. I don't and think he does uh, that anymore. No, I don't think he does that anymore. Either. Great instrumental. No. So you, that's so yeah. cool. You suck. Because yeah. I saw him once with Elton John on the Face to Face tour, yeah. which was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, so, but so the, again, seventy eight. So he was. It, it's like I was saying that video it was a very stripped yeah. down kind of Billy Joel. Yeah, compared to what it is now. Yeah. I mean, but also, you know, he was he was incredibly physical. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, from what I gather, he still is, although he's older now and he's less mobile. Yeah. Uh, you know, a 68 or 69-year-old guy isn't going to move the way, you know, a 32 or 33-year-old right. guy is going to move. You know, so, um, you know, that said, 
uh, yeah, he was, I mean, I, even the second time I saw him, he was running around, you know, jumping on top of the piano and mm-hmm. singing and, and, and stuff like that. And he'd pick up the guitar for um, uh, You May Be Right, okay, which is what he played in the, uh, uh, the video for it. Okay, I remember him playing the guitar. That, 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 if I remember correctly, that song has little or no piano in it. Uh, and that was a big deal for him, and that was, that was Glass Houses. Mm-hmm. And it was like a break for him. He had said at some point that he wanted to do a more, uh, a more rockin' album. He wanted to write songs that stretched, um, uh, stretched in, uh, Artistically. Sort of exp- Artistically, yeah, just, I mean, you know, challenged him musically that he wasn't going to play as much piano on that album and so forth. And uh, coincidentally, that was around the same time that I started smoking grass and got away from Billy Joel. Yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. Now, when exactly did you start, I guess, uh, performing live doing piano? Around that time, actually. The first gig I ever had was when I was 13. Really? You yeah. were smoking weed at 13? No, I was smoking weed when I was 15. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, 13 years old. Uh, so, 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can do the math. So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, 1978. And I, let's see, somebody paid me to play for an hour or an hour and a half at a function. My sister's office had a Christmas party or something or some kind of happy hour, whatever. I got paid, I, and I got paid like 50 bucks or something like that. So, but I'm, to thir- yeah. For 13 for, for a 13 year old in 78, that's right. pretty Ab- good money. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, from there, I want to say, I might have been, I guess so 78, I must have been, must have been eighth grade mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but in ninth and 10th grade, I was doing weddings and bar mitzvahs. Really? Yeah. Just on your own or were you in no, a band? No, I was with a band. I was with a band that was... Uh, you're a Florida guy, yeah. so it was off of the uh, Palmetto in Miami, okay. and uh, in the Hialeah, Miami Lakes mm-hmm. area. Um, they were located. They had a, an office and a like a uh, a warehouse uh, complex or whatever, an office complex. Uh, and the name of the uh, band was the name of the band, and the the agency was called the New World Symphony. Um, NWS. NWS. Right, the New World Symphony. And, uh, or Negroes with syphilis. Negroes with syphilis, exactly. They were neither Negro, uh, nor syphilitic, nor, nor syphilitic, or a symphony. Uh, they were sort of New World, I guess, but uh, but we digress. Um, so they, uh, yeah, I remember my brother got me that gig. My brother was working for Xerox, and they were on his beat. Oh, okay, neat. they were in his area, so I think he went to go sell them a Xerox machine or something. <laughs> and I don't know if he made the sale or not, but he thought of me and thought it would be a great idea if uh, if he put them together, put me together with them. And I went in, I auditioned, uh, somehow got the gig, and uh, was doing that. And that was my first wedding and bar mitzvah band in '79. Nice. Uh, 80, something like that, or whatever. So, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So you were, uh, so you started gigging around uh, early high school. Yeah, late junior high, early high school. Yeah. And uh, we know you went to uh, UF for a brief period of time, where you learned yeah. how to roll the joints. Learned and everything. how to roll the joints and smoke out of an apple. That's correct. And now, did you now? Um, and for and, and I know we didn't uh, start the show with proper introductions. By the way, this yeah. is Ben Michaels, 
uh, who is, uh, we're on the uh, Norwegian getaway right now. Ben is one of the Howl at the Moon dueling piano players. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, sp- um, before you got into dueling, which I know we talked briefly yesterday, you said you got in about 92, 93. 93, right. This is 1980 now. So yeah. did you start gigging on the road for a little while, like either in a band or as a solo? Never did that. Um, you never did the road? No. Like before you got into dueling? No. Really? No. Never did the road. No. Um, again, a little bit different, a little bit uh, less conventional than what you than a lot of um, rock and roll musicians. I guess I wasn't really. I wasn't a rock and roll musician. I was a working musician. I was a. I you know there was something a little bit different. So like okay. session. No, but working gigs on the weekends. So whereas. Um, and I w- and I was being paid better than a lot of a lot of guys that were in bands that were trying to that were doing originals. I was doing covers, okay. I was doing covers, and I was never in a band that did originals. Never in a band that wrote uh, their own material. Um, never did uh, any session work uh, of note. Really, I played a little bit here and there, you know, for friends. Was that and, something and that like you? That you consciously chose not to do or no. it's just it never interested you no neither not neither of those things it just never it just never happened did you ever want to do that not a, i i never sought it out i never sought it out so um if i guess you know it wasn't again a conscious thing to not seek it out okay you know um it wasn't uh conscious that it wasn't uh, that I was something consciously not interested in doing um, it just never really panned out that way it just never really it just never really sort of materialized okay you know and the other stuff did so that's what it was I think I think more than anything it was so it was more what kind of came your way yeah whatever I mean if things were coming my way and I just I, I you know why not I mean it's you know, it was it was money, and it was being a professional musician, mm-hmm. and it was learning a lot from, especially the band that I got into. If we skip forward ahead a little bit, I mean, even the guys that yeah. I worked with, um, you know, that were in that new world uh, syphilitic so, thing, the syphilis thing, right, yeah, right, the uh, the Negroes with syphilis, mm-hmm. um, neither Negro nor syphilitic. Um, th- those folks. Uh, were older than me. Well, everybody was older. I was 13 or 14, whatever. They, but they were all people, I mean, actually in their 30s okay. Okay, at the time. And um, I learned from them. I learned from them. So that was a great learning experience. And then if we fast forward, I didn't gig as much in high school uh, professionally uh, because I was going to school. I mean, obviously right. it was a little bit different. Um, but I was gigging. Uh, with the band in high school, so the uh, we had um, at NMB, uh, it was North Miami Beach Senior High School. Mm-hmm. So I think you knew that I went there. I know right? you went. You were somewhere in Miami. Uh, that's right. So I mean, I went to North Miami Beach. Okay. And um, I don't know what they have now, but back then they had a class called Music Lab, and Music Lab was for. Uh, I, I, 
I guess we could say for the for the stoners, you know, for the stoner musicians. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I want to make it sound as if I was like, you know, some some pothead who was. And high school sounded uh, great in the eighties. High 80s. school, yeah, right. It, well, high school was great in the eighties. You know, it had its <laughs> moments. I mean, it really did. But um, it was just, it wasn't marching band. Okay, it wasn't jazz band, um, uh, and it wasn't. Uh, there was. We were very, very fortunate back then. I mean, especially compared to nowadays, I think that music uh, overall has been sort of watered down in, in the public school system. Oh, yeah. Well, from, the arts from, in general. The arts in general, yeah. absolutely. So, but uh, the 80s were uh, still, you know, uh, still still going strong. The music, the arts programs and uh, music programs were still going strong. And they were, um, in, in my high school in particular, I mean, we were sort of known for that. Uh, we were sort of known, even in Dade County, as a high school that had really talented players, you know, and we put out a really good roster of musicians, some of whom are still gigging to this day, you know, people that are making money and people that are uh, in, in music, you uh, in, in one way, shape, or form, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the arts and so forth. I, I could name a half a dozen off the top of my head people that I, you know, uh, had, had grown up with who are still involved in making their profession in the arts in one way, shape, or form. That's a, um, that's a really good that, ratio. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, I think that's pretty good. You yeah, know? I mean, absolutely. We're, we're talking 34 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think that, that's, yeah. like, uh, not to get sidetracked for a second, I think, yeah. you know, a lot of guys that get into this business, whether it's uh, music, comedy, acting, dance, whatever, mm -hmm. the, you know, we all, all want to start and shoot for the moon. Right. You know, that's, I think that's inherent in everybody. Um, and that's wonderful, and you should never stop shooting. Um, and it's just, you know, the law of averages, not everybody's going to get to that, you know, upper echelon right. of, you know, Billy Joel, Elton John, Louis C.K., Chris Rock kind of mm -hmm. level. But I think stability and I think um, uh, 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 a, a, a constant, well, a constant. Right. In the longevity. A longevity. Uh, a longevity. Making, right. just making a living mm -hmm. is huge success Absolutely. in this business, you know. So Absolutely. the fact that you've you know there's still guys from uh, uh, from when you went to that school yourself included that are still Absolutely. making a living doing this is incredible success. Absolutely, absolutely, you know, and uh, again in one way, shape, or form, people. I mean, some guys are uh, music teachers. Oh okay? yeah. Some guys are you know. Whatever, You're still in but, touch with your passion, but, but they're still in touch with their passion, which yeah. is I mean that's a huge thing. Absolutely, that's a huge thing 100%. to be you know. Uh, you know, frankly, middle-aged, okay, and still, you know, doing what you love doing mm -hmm. uh, and having done it since high school and prior, you know, and even further back right, right, uh, right. Is, is a huge blessing. Absolutely. It's a huge blessing. So, um, so you're, where were we? So, so, you're, uh, so you're gigging in, uh, in high school? Gigging a little bit in high school, not professionally. Not professionally. Doing, doing, doing the things. When I say gigging, we were, you know. But you had uh, a band in high school. Well, we, I was in the band. Right. I was in the band. And, and the music I did, lab. In, in music lab. Didn't have, I had bands that I was sort of tangentially associated with mm -hmm. also outside of school big words Tan big words that's right because it's a podcast <laughs> so i want to make sure that i throw in at least one big word every once in a while um no but bands that i was sort of you know marginally uh you know um 
associated with outside of outside of class, outside of school. But for the most part, um, the things that the stuff I was doing was uh, things that revolved around class, after school stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there were. Um, we had at NMB also, and I'll refer to it as NMB because that's just that's in North Miami Beach. Right, again, right. that's we the high it. school. So at NMB we had this thing called coffee houses. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. coffee houses were three times a school year, maybe, um, or once a quarter, maybe four times, three or four of them per mm -hmm. per school year, and uh, it was always uh, you you had to audition for it. The I remember my sophomore year. Uh, the and that was my first year of high school. Uh, well, it was tenth grade, so the drama coach or the drama teacher was the person who auditioned people for coffee house. So people would go up and, and go through the audition, and she would choose who got to be, you know, depending on yeah, yeah. Uh, on how good they were or whatever. I would always have people come up to me and say, Ben, would you play for me for this? Ben, would you play for me for that? For that's this song and that song and this. The two girls would want to sing, uh, you know, uh, whatever. I can't what, think whatever. of a duo, whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah. I can remember. Pointer Sisters. Uh, Pointer Sisters, thank you. Pointer, thank, Pointer Sisters or uh, stuff from even, even Broadway stuff. I can remember just off the top of my head, I remember uh, two girls wanting to sing a song from Mame. The okay. Broadway musical Mame. Mm -hmm. Okay, not that, that not that I'm that old that that was popular at the time necessarily. Okay, it wasn't. Okay, I mean I don't want to add too many years to my to my age here, but but um, How's but, your but huh? I'm kidding. Yeah, but 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 it was it, it, but that was just an example. No, I got okay. you. Okay, also you know, a girl and a guy wanted to do leather and lace. Okay, right, Don right. Henley, so Don Henley and Stevie Nicks. So you had these the, the, these uh, these people these with quarterly gigs. That these you're quarterly doing at the gigs that were house. they were gigs. I wasn't paid for them, but they were gigs. But they were gigs, and you got to you got that performing. Got to get got absolutely uh, without jolts. a doubt. Even as a sideman, which is all that I was, and just an accompanist. So, but it it made me you know want to do more of it, absolutely. And then once I graduated high school, uh. I graduated in 83, I want to say it was 1984, that I got into a another wedding band, okay, another another wedding and bar mitzvah and corporate party band doing corporate gigs like that, and I stayed with that band for the remainder of the 80s. I stayed with them until I moved to New York in 1990. Okay. So, yeah. So, so okay, yeah. so throughout the 80s, you had a steady right. gig. Yeah, you had a yeah, steady gig. That yeah, that I mean, that's that's great. That yeah. you know, you were able to support yourself, do yeah. what you love. Yeah, I mean, I was doing that. I was also working as a waiter. I mean, it wasn't enough money. You know, it was it was enough money to uh, to say. I mean, it was part of my supporting myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, it's, I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: I don't remember a time when I wasn't working. Okay, okay. after high school. Okay, after high school, as I a always musician. as a musician, I yep. always did something, even in the leanest of periods of time. I always did something as a musician. That's... I always made a little bit of money. There might have been a year where I only made five hundred dollars for the year as okay, a musician. As a musician, but you okay. still made that. But I still did something. From... I was still rehearsing with somebody. I right, was still right. getting, you know, either getting paid as a rehearsal pianist or 
doing some project or whatever like that. So there was always something uh, like that. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, now this is this is the uh, point in the podcast where we're going to take a little. Uh, we're going to the story's going to change a little, but also sure. um, because I have a feeling this next half is going to be uh, very interesting and completely separate from what we're just talking about. So, sure. to uh, to those listeners who are listening, thank you very much. We are going to uh, end this podcast right now, mm-hmm. and tune in next week for the second half with me and Ben Michaels, where we start talking about how you got into dual into dueling pianos, okay. and because we talked about this yesterday, and this is really cool, Ben knows the history of dueling pianos, which is fascinating. So guys, tune in next week for part two with me and Ben Michaels. Right on. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking about what's ever on their mind